Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to another exciting and what is sure to be a very informative episode of Safety Talk. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan, and I'm joined by my colleague, branding and social media expert, Neil Haley. This week, we have another incredible guest for you. He is a cybersecurity consultant and will be talking with us today about why it is so difficult for businesses large and small to protect their computer systems as well as what they can do about it. And we're going to be covering a lot with him. So our guest today, uh, his name is Chris Moscovitis. And Chris is the founder of TMG Media, eMedia. It is a uh, consultancy that is focused on providing technology, independent technology, and cybersecurity management expertise. Uh, His ability to explain complex information, technology, as well as cybersecurity topics to executives really make him a very very valuable asset to private firms, government agencies, as well as nonprofit organizations. Chris is also the author of Cybersecurity Program Development for Business, a book that I have read most of since he was so kind to send me a complimentary copy. So welcome to Safety Talk, Chris, and thanks for being on the show. The pleasure is mine. Good to be here. Yes, and uh, I really do appreciate you sending me a copy of the book, though, but you know, you didn't sign it. (laughs) <laughs> the next time I visit you or the next time you're in New York, there's going to be a signed copy waiting. Besides, Neil has to get one, too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, I've, I've personally researched and read a ton of information about, you know, cybersecurity over the years, uh, you know, pr- protecting and securing my clients' networks and systems that I've been doing with my IT company since 1995. Uh, of course, a lot has changed in recent years. Uh, and you bring some very good points in your book that I'm going to want to discuss with you a little bit later on after we sort of lay the groundwork. So sound good to you? Perfect. Um, so I guess let's kind of start off with, um, you know, how you got into the cybersecurity world, I guess. Start there. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, this year is our 30th year in business. So I started TMG Media about 30 years ago, and one of the first partners that I had was a gentleman by the name of George Whalen. And back then, the, the days of DOS and the days of Lotus 1, 2, 3, uh, one of the things that uh, George used to collect would be the first original computer viruses. And as a matter of fact, George still has floppy disks with computer viruses from that time ago. Um, so much like you, much for you, as you are protecting your clients in your own information technology business, we did the same thing in ours. So our, our consultancy, which is a broad spectrum consultancy, does provide uh, managed IT services. And as part of that, security was always a consideration. And also it became an, an avocation as well. It was something that, uh, that I particularly loved a great deal because I understood that cybersecurity is not about information technology. Cybersecurity is about risk management, and that was um, a really a fundamental shift in the way that you approach it because you, you need to be able to talk to business people in a language that they will understand. And if you start talking technology, eyes are going to glaze over. But if you start talking risk, then you have the, the, the opportunity to actually connect with people in a language that they understand because every business person understands risk. That's why they're in the business. They, right. they know what risks to take. And that's something that, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you went there because, you know, uh, that's something that you bring out in the book that is very, very important because, and I've experienced this, and when you talked about it in the book, I was reading it and shaking my head going, yep. And that is that most companies have an IT department and they feel like, well, they're being protected because the IT department handles the cybersecurity. But you are very clear in saying that it is extremely important that you keep those two departments separate. They're part of the same whole, but yet one is creating value for the company, the IT department, and the other cybersecurity side of it is protecting that value. That's exactly right. I think I think you 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 couldn't have said it better. Uh, it, it is it is like two parallel tracks of a train. Uh, you can't have one intersect with the other. Or you can't have one crossing the other. They, these tracks have to always be in parallel. 
so that your train never gets derailed. And then your, bu- your business is the train. Information technology is one track. And cybersecurity is another track. They can't be reporting to one another. They, right, they exactly. have got to be separate. There's a conflict of interest, exactly because of what you just said. Uh, one generates value. The other one is protecting it. So obviously, if, if what protects value is reporting to what generates value, there is going to be a conflict. So, Chris, yeah, exactly. yeah, and when you see this situation occur uh, with lack of cybersecurity, the costs can be huge on a business because if the, if there's a breach especially with their clients information that could not just cost them money loss that was taken but also lawsuits and other types of things happening to that client correct that's absolutely right neil and the the, the issue here is that uh, it's not it's not just the the cost of the actual breach it's not it, but it is the reputational cost it's the litigation costs many a business have gone out of business because of these kinds of lawsuits and if you are a, a small to mid-sized business and and you you're not protected and you're breached then you're handling personally identifiable information or god forbid HIPAA information medical information then you could be in very very serious trouble you could be indeed out of business and worse you could go to jail yeah, it's just, it's a very scary thing. And um, I was reading a, uh, a recent report, uh, the Cyber Threat Defense Report, the latest version they did, it was 2007 by a group called Cyber Edge Group. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was really crazy some of the statistics that they had in there because in 2017, an astounding 79% of businesses that were surveyed admitted that they were victims of a cyber attack. Sure. Sure. I mean, un- unbelievable. I mean, you're talking basically eight out of 10, and that was up from 76% the year before and 70% the year before that. So we're seeing this roughly about a 5 or 6% increase year over year on the amount of attacks that are happening to businesses. And the craziest part of it, and from what I've seen, and I'm sure you have as well, a lot of them don't even know it. That's right. That's exactly right. And and and, and this is part of uh, something that we as professional cybersecurity professionals have not emphasized enough. We haven't communicated this successfully. So so the, so the first thing that everybody needs to understand is that the attacker has all the advantages in the world, right? So because the attacker has all the time in the world, the attacker has all the intelligence in their hands. The attacker can exploit and and explore different ways to penetrate your business. So. If this attacker, if, if you, in, in essence, if you are a target of an advanced, persistent threat type of an attack, it's, it's not an if. You will be breached. I guarantee you that you will be breached. Oh, wow. yeah. there, there is nothing, nothing that you're going to be able to do that will stop you from being breached. So therefore, what you need to be prepared about is how, do, how fast can you detect it? How quickly can you recover? This is where you need to be for an advanced persistent threat. Now, Chris, now looking at you talk about that, uh, the problem is now online you can learn how to hack people. You could become a professional hacker by just taking courses that are online and are available. So unless you really protect yourself as a company, either by a third party like yourself or go with big companies that have someone like yourself on staff, you really have to watch out. And we see people like Facebook get uh, breached. We see Target get breached. So if you're not as big as Target or Facebook, you really have to have someone like yourself or Pete on board or really have a company that has some expert in that to protect your website or protect any type of your information that's stored online. That's right, Neil. And 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 what's worse here is that, that that there is a very serious shortage, not only in the United States but worldwide, of cybersecurity professionals. So the positions are very difficult to fill. First of all, second of all, there is the, there is a lot of people that will claim that they do cybersecurity when in fact they don't have the necessary certifications or credentials to even know, or for that matter, the experience uh, to know how to take care of an organization. And and, and overall, you you're right. And it's interesting, the example that you just mentioned, the Target example. How did Target get breached? Target did not get breached directly. Target got breached because they first gained a foothold 
on their air conditioning supplier. And the air conditioning supplier had a network connection with Target. It was that connection that was exploited and, and, and went south from there. So, so there is no size. Size in this case, size definitely does not matter. It, it, we hear all of these stories again and again. Amazon has gotten breached. Facebook got breached. Major companies with very serious security budgets are getting breached every single day. And the bigger the company, the more attractive the target it is. But I, the, I also think that what ends up happening is people see these large companies getting hacked and breached in the news, and they think, well, why would they be interested in my little company with 10 or 20 employees or even 100 or 200 employees? They're, you know, What do I have that, that these other companies, why would they waste their time with me? And what I tell them is, look, you don't have nearly the security and the infrastructure and the technology and all the tools that these larger organizations have. So don't you think you're a little bit easier to hack? And so they don't realize that. They think that because they're not large, that they're not a target. But so many of these attacks are automated where these bots go out and they just probe networks. They look for Absolutely. Holes. And when they find the hole, it doesn't matter if you're a big company or a small company, you know, it could be a ransomware attack that, that comes in, encrypts all your data, and now pay me money to get your data back or go out of business or hope you got an offsite backup that didn't also get encrypted because oh, I've yeah. seen that happened. Somebody's got a backup plugged into the server. Well, guess what? The server got encrypted with ransomware. The backup got encrypted from ransomware because it was connected to the server. Right, so, exactly right, Pete. Exactly right, and that's the thing. That the thing, and Neil was mentioning earlier that you can get all of these courses online and learn how to be a hacker. Uh, organized crime has moved to the web. Why has that happened? Because of the old adage: Why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Why is cyber crime so prevalent right now on the web? Because that's where the money is. It's easy money. It is money without any risk of physical harm. No risk of getting arrested, for that matter, in most countries where cyber criminals are. And they are extraordinarily well organized and also extraordinarily well funded. So there are cells and there are universities all in the dark web. There is support groups. There's everything that you can possibly need to set up your own little cyber crime cell is available for you in the dark web. So, so wow. scary. Yeah, I mean, and yep. so that's the thing. And how can uh, we learn? Let's. I love that question you brought up for people out there that are in IT or in social media or in some sort of technology that there's opportunities to become a cybersecurity expert, and it's a good. Looks like a good job qualification. How do you get the certification so that you can help fill the need that's really needed out there today? Well, my first step, in, if, if you're considering a career in cybersecurity, would be to join ISACA. And ISACA is an international organization with hundreds of thousands of members worldwide, and they have extensive training programs and, that lead to certifications in both audit and cybersecurity. And there is, of course, uh, other organizations, worldwide organizations of equal stature, ISC Squared comes to mind, SANS comes to mind, that you can also uh, join, participate, and learn. Uh, but you need to plan your career out, and and for my money, ISACA is one of the best places to do that because you can start with CSX and then you can move forward. You can go all the way up to, to CISM, which is a certified information uh, security manager, but also ISACA complements this with additional certifications in a variety of technical audits as well as governance, and that's really important. We can't dismiss governance from conversations of cybersecurity and information technology anymore. More. Uh, right uh, up until now, IT was doing their own thing. Now, cybersecurity is a thing. Unless there's governance in place, like we were talking about earlier, how IT and cybersecurity need to, re to be reporting separately. They cannot be cross reporting to one another. That's a governance conversation. So, all of these things are, are very important to learn, understand the best practices, understand these principles, and then build a career with a tremendous support network from there. My uh, my oldest son, I have three boys, my oldest son's in college, and he has shifted to cybersecurity. And I've been right. telling him he Great move. to go to that, you know, because send, he was send interested. Send me his resume. I will. I will. Because <laughs> he, uh, you know, he knows that that's a huge field because, you know, I talk about it. And I told him, you know, he wanted to do something with the computers. 
and he doesn't like the program necessarily. And I said, that's fine. I said, you, if a cybersecurity is a burgeoning field. And as you mentioned earlier, Chris, there are not a lot of people that know what it's all about. And so that's why I'm, I'm really glad that we have you on today because we can start to sort of educate people and dispel some of the maybe misconceptions around information tech or around cybersecurity for that matter. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, and the thing about hackers, black either black hat hike, hackers or white hat hackers. Uh, yes, you can get the training. Uh, yes, you can you can gain the experience in either the dark arts or the the white arts, if you will. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the truly great hackers are are gifted gifted individuals they are puzzle solvers and programmers that that not only understand the science behind this but they have the talent it's it's like you and me can play a really mean guitar but none of us is going to be eric clapton being eric clapton is not only about practice 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 but there is a gift there in my view in an event no, no, I, I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, Chris, why, why do you think it's so difficult today to protect our computer systems? Well, I think the, the, the number one reason that uh, immediately jumps to mind is their, their incredible complexity. Pe- people walk around every single day with a cell phone in their pocket, and that cell phone has more computing power and more complex instructions than Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. So our systems are incredibly complex, A, number one. Number two, they are made up by many different parts coming from many different vendors. So although these things are integrated to a very good degree, when you're dealing with millions of lines of code that are being executed in any particular time, there is in, inevitably there's going to be holes in it. These holes are zero-day exploits or exploits. And if you haven't touched them and if you haven't fixed them, then the people are going to go through it. And there, and there may be very valid reasons why people have not patched their own computer systems. We have clients that are running legacy applications. By that, I mean applications that are very old. Some of them written in exciting COBOL, for example, or other languages. And, and they're mission critical. They, they need to run these applications. Well, guess what? If, you, if you're running an application that's legacy and you attempt to patch it with the latest security patch that's coming from, from the operating system vendor, you will break. Yep. So you can't patch it because you are going to be out of business and it may take millions of dollars to rewrite the application or it may take three or four years to rewrite the application. Either way, you're going to have to fence that application with, with layered controls to protect it. Right. And That's the, part, the biggest reason why things fail is this, this yes. complexity and, and this enormous amount of systems that are already in place. What if you don't have a good IT team in place for your small business? That really relates to when you're hiring a cybersecurity expert that if the IT is not able to tell you you are you're not you have some problems going on it really hurts the entire uh, system that you won't even know that you're going to be breached because you didn't have the right IT team in place. That's right, Neil. And 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 having the right IT people uh, is, is critical and uh, and and sadly rare uh, for a variety of reasons. Again, both cybersecurity and IT are very difficult professions to get into. By that, I mean that it takes years of study and dedication. And then essentially, you are in this service organization that is supporting. You're, you're in the back office supporting the, the goals of an organization. If you are, if you're, if you're, if you're dealing with a small business, so it, IT people right now. It, I, I don't want to generalize broadly, but IT people are. are Typically, not particularly well paid, especially in the support area. So many small and mid-sized businesses end up with people that uh, are, are not particularly well versed in what's going on, and they have a tremendous ego. And if you're going into IT and cybersecurity with an ego, you're using a four-letter word, not a three-one. <laughs> yeah, and and it's true because I mean I've dealt with many many of them over the years, and it's true. And when you try to point out that there could possibly be a problem within the company's current IT structure or with the people that are there, they take offense to it. And it's oh, like, yeah. no, I'm not trying to say anything negative about you. It's just that, uh, and I and this is one of the things I believe that you even you had in a book is that you have. Uh, 
you, you may be really good at your job in the IT field, but you don't necessarily know what it takes to be good at risk management. And that's right. they're, they're different subjects, and that's why it's important to keep them separate. Like you mentioned, you can't have the company that's creating the value the same one that's that's protecting it because of the direct conflict. And that's an education thing that that we need to get out to people. And I'm actually building a, a cybersecurity uh, mass class right now for clients because I'm trying to, I want to educate them in their knowledge of what it takes and why it's different because sure. trying to talk to them a lot of times they don't understand. So yeah, that, that's a great, great thing to do. And that's a, of great value to the clients. Sure. So if we extrapolate this out a little bit, uh, what would you, you know, I mean, you have a lot of experience in this field. You deal with this every day. What do you see as the quote worst possible scenario or the worst nightmare that could happen? Uh, would it be something on a global scale, some sort of collapse? What would what, what is your take on that? Well, uh, my, my worst nightmare, my worst cybersecurity nightmare is uh, loss of life. Uh, we, are, we are now integrating the Internet of Things into our daily lives in, in a very, very pervasive and deep way. These kinds of systems tend to be unsecured and rushed to the market. These things control vital functions. They control cars. They control air traffic. They control water. They, they control the electrical grid. If these things get hacked, you could be, uh, you could, we could be all be faced with uh, a, a significant loss of life. Uh, it is entirely possible that when the Russians were attacking the uh, Ukraine. Um, and they attacked uh, the Ukrainian electrical grid. Loss of life may have occurred there. I, I have not read a definitive report that says, as a result of this hack, uh, life was lost. Uh, but it is possible that that has already occurred. So the, my my worst nightmare uh, is that. In in my predictions that I've been asked to put some predictions together, the, my prediction was uh, that we are going to see in this year, in the coming years, a cyber warfare escalation. And if we're talking about escalating cyber warfare, then undoubtedly loss of life is by oh, default in, in that prediction. Yeah. Hey, Chris, do you get upset? I talk about this in a, with other security experts in other areas. What you see on television, like there was an Amazon movie out, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Netflix movie out about the end of the world. It was not very good, but uh, uh, but it showed specifically the grid all getting knocked down, and they didn't know if it was from a natural disaster or whatever. The the power was out. There was no cell phone service. Imagine now how people could survive. How could they deal with no cell phone? Uh, they're so used to being without cash. On hand, right. showed about all these people with cash, and I'm like, this is a, a joke. No one Chris, has cash like this. This movie, and Chris knows this. I mean, one EMP, 250 miles up in the middle of the country, poof, electricity right. gone. Right. And our whole so, society and everything that we know that depends on all of this technology, and now even more so, like you're just saying, the Internet of Things, everything from your right. refrigerators yeah, exactly. to you know, every little component now is connected to the internet. And that's the whole reason why we had to go to the new IPv6 format because we were running out of, right. of IP addresses. And now we have so many more. I, I read that uh, there are so many now addresses with the new standard, it's equivalent to like the number of stars in the universe or something. It's like a super right. huge number. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. We already have more IP addresses than we have humans on the planet by by a significant by factor. Yeah, by a significant factor. Uh, but you're right. We, we had a, a speaker um, talk to us about uh, emergency preparedness, and uh, and uh, this person was, uh, in, you know, I live and work in New York City. Uh, we're headquartered in New York City, and this person was uh, from the from from the disaster. Um, bureau in, of New York, uh, of, of, of the city, and, and he was lending his expertise to, to our group. And he said, listen, um, you're living in a high-rise. In this high-rise, there's tenants. Some tenants are old. Some tenants are sick. Some tenants are young. If we lose power, don't bother dialing 911 because there's nobody coming. Right. Okay, we are dealing with a crisis that is very, very serious. If you lose power, you better have a plan in your building to take care of these elderly people. You better have a plan in your building to make sure that the sick person can get water or can get care. Because dialing 911 isn't going to help. 
nobody's going to show up. And if you think that electricity is going to come back within a couple of days, that would be fantastic. But if it is a massive attack, you may be out of electricity in New York City for a week or two. Can you imagine New York City with no power for two weeks? It would be insane. And, it then, would... and then you're talking about power. You're talking about also what if the banking system, so everything, with that, everyone trying to even eliminate cash. That's the biggest thing I have is, Chris, I don't carry a lot of cash on me, but I guess I'm not right. afraid or fearful yet about this, but all these copycatters, you never know. And then remember, I think it came out, the government's one of their biggest lacks of defense is cybersecurity. They say they can't, and so what are our enemies doing to try to figure out ways? I guess if we talk about the election, I don't want to get into crazy uh, politics here, but other things that they can attack Like cyber warfare. I mean, China does it all the time. Yes, I mean, we can extract that out into cyber warfare, you know, and and the risk of that. I mean, Chris, what's your take on that? The, The likely risk of, for example, some sort of cyber warfare, which... I I think it's very real. Uh, I think, first of all, I think we are already in a cyber war, number one. Uh, Number two, we have already experienced significant nation state attacks on our on our cyber infrastructure uh the election is something not trivial to, to be discussing about the, 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 those breaches and those manipulations are extraordinarily serious and they are a fundamental attack to our way of life and our democracy and we're being glib about it and we cannot be uh we we, we stand to lose everything with this kind of intrusive propaganda but uh, but i am very worried did you do you know what russia is doing between now and april they're disconnecting the whole country of Russia from the internet. As why are they doing that? They're doing it as a test because they have a mandate to their own providers inside Russia to make sure that they have systems in place such that if Russia is to, to be disconnected through, quote, an aggressive act from the internet, their own internal systems will continue to function. They're wow. going to do this test. They're going to do this test between now and April. I did not they're, know that. That's they are taking this extremely seriously, and it is very serious. And and let me assure you that when we shut the government down for like a month plus, and we are reducing the the, the staffing of the NSA and the cybersecurity experts and contractors down to quote as the spokesman said, bare bones facilities that everybody else that's on the other side and that they, they are our enemies, they are exploiting that opportunity. They are going to be penetrating as many systems as they possibly can sure, to get a foothold. Because we're short-staffed, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, so we are not being particularly serious about this, and we need to be far, far, far more serious when it comes to cybersecurity. I, I found it disappointing and disheartening, to say the least, if not straight out embarrassing, that we are watching, quote, senior statesmen senators having hearings with Facebook, and there is a senator that's asking Zuckerberg, well, you know, I don't understand how you make money. You're giving these things, all these things for free. I don't understand how, you give money, how you're making money. And Zuckerberg is looking at this guy as if he landed from Mars. He's like, how making money? Ah, uh, advertising? Yep. And, and, and that is just the top layer of the onion because this guy, Zuckerberg, is not just making money from advertising. He's making money out of pawning your own data. Oh, yeah. And that's the, that is very scary because many of those in government are older. They don't understand it. They don't understand the technology. They don't understand the risk. Or when they are probably presented with information and reports from you know various experts and departments, whether it's you know the NSA or FBI or whatever, that are saying, look, you know, we have some very real threats we have to worry about here. They worry about, oh no, global warming's our biggest threat. And it blows my mind <laughs> because it's so much more than, than what they understand. It is a lot more. And I want to emphasize, because I know several of them, I want to emphasize the incredible talent that exists in our military and NSA and our intelligence agencies. There's people that are dedicated, dedicated to protecting every single one of us. And they're going through many a sleepless night, underfunded, and trying their hardest to do that. Let's just not make their life any more difficult than it already is. We need more staffing. We need more funding. We need more awareness 
across all tiers of our society. We certainly need to be educating our government officials about what all this means, and then going all the way down from the federal to the state and to the city and to the community level to make sure that everybody has cybersecurity awareness training. And then we need to move to our schools, and we need to move to everywhere yes. so everybody understands sure. what the game here is. Now, so Chris, what can people, like when you're talking about identify these facts you're talking about all these issues that we're talking about we're talking about all these ways we can be breached now if you're telling us there's not enough cybersecurity experts out there i think educating the public first of all of what they shouldn't do which is simple little things almost like what pete talks about and being aware when you're walking around you have to be the same aware of your cybersecurity in so many ways Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You need to be aware of what's going on. You, you cannot dismiss this. Uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, the language of technology and the language of security, and, and by the way, uh, we need to own up the fact that us, our information technology professionals and cybersecurity professionals, have not exactly been doing the best job in being able to complete the handshake with people that are not in the field. We talk over them instead of talking right. to them and with them. We need to. We the professionals need to develop communication skills so that we are more effective at reaching people. First of all, so we can explain it to people and we can also talk them off the ledge. Because if I am a businessman and I'm struggling for my survival every single day, if I am an individual that I'm worried about the cybersecurity of my own children in my own household, I have so many things to think about. I have to think about where the next paycheck is coming in. I have to think about my clients. I have to think about my health. I have to think about the kids. I have to think about everything. I don't have time to think about yet one more problem. So I, so it's understandable that they will want to hide their head in the sand. We are the ones that we have to gently bring them aboard and explain that, yes, the world has changed, and yes, nobody signed up for this additional problem, but guess what? We're here. We're going to work it together. This is what this means. This is what the risk is. Let's look at the pragmatic defense for your business. And that's exactly what the whole purpose of this podcast is. That's why I named it Safety Talk, because people don't like talking about safety on just about any level, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's their personal safety and well-being, whether it's something that's a workplace violence, whether it's an active shooter, whether it's something else. Most people think it's not going to happen to them. And every single victim of anything, whether it's a cyber attack or ransomware or a mugging or a rape or a terror attack or an active shooter, all says the same thing. I never thought right. it would happen to me. That's well, right. And, that, and that's a really scary thing. And you bring up that point perfectly with regard to cybersecurity that the technology you know, staff in these companies, many of them have a very hard time articulating the information in such a way that management and employees understand. They just look at, that is the management employees, look at it as, oh, IT's making me do something else, or oh, IT's making yeah, me yeah. install this on my phone, or why do I have to do this, and why do I have to change my password so much? Sure, it's a pain in the sure. neck. And so That's they right. look at it as a major inconvenience, when mm -hmm. in reality, you're doing it for not just their own protection of their company and their data and their jobs, but maybe even their lives. Of course. Uh, you're absolutely right, Pete. And, and the thing is that a lot of the technologists out there make technology a religious conversation. So we have many a client that we have gone to over the years that uh, they're using you know, a set of tools to do, let, let's say they're using a certain antivirus program, okay? Just I'm using this as an example. And it is the ABC antivirus. And we go in and we say, listen, uh, given what you have here and what your threat environment is and the things that you're protecting, it seems to us that potentially a better choice would be this virus, the antivirus program called DEF. Uh, here's the differences and here's why we think this would be a better choice. And it becomes a religious argument. Right. Why do I have to it, it, that? It, it, Isn't it still a right. job for me? It's going to cost me three times as much. I got all of these licenses and now I got to learn a new software. And the pushback is incredible. And the pushback is incredible from the financial side, like you just said, and it's also incredible from the IT people say, no, I picked this and it's the best. Right, they take I it personally. Yes, it's, it's, it's my personal opinion. And I, you know, I picked this and it's the best. It's like, listen, this is not about, you know, perhaps at the time you hadn't considered this or things have changed or this, that, and the other. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, I picked it, it's the best. 
So you have the religious arguments. And that, by the way, translates all the way to the boardroom because you can have IT people that have a very specific point of view, a very specific worldview of how technology needs to be deployed. You know, the Microsoft versus Mac arguments, this application versus that application, and so on and so forth. And it goes, and, and businesses are hostages to this. I have a client that came to mind as soon as you said that, because I have somebody, one of my clients, there's a guy who sits on a board who used to work for a big technology company. And when I bring something up, he thinks he knows more. And I'm like, uh, I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to educate you. I understand you had some experience, but when was the last time you actually learned about some of the current ways of protecting this organization and its technology? And it's like, you know, they think you're trying to sell them something, but okay, that's maybe part of it. I'm not going to try to sell you something you don't need because if you find out about it later, you're not going to be my client for long. I'm that's looking right. at, I want you to be around for a long time so you can remain my client so we can continue to work together and exactly. everybody, you know, is happy at the end of the day. And you can refer me to future business because that's how we get business. We get business by our reputation and by one client saying to a prospect, hey, these guys are great and they really have done a fantastic job. So, yeah, Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, that those those are some of the issues that uh, that that we deal in the profession. And it will take, you know, a cultural shift and awareness and it will it will take conversation. So there is a lot of in in several of the trainings that I do. Or it'll take an attack. Oh, no, I, I, I hope not. No, let's hope not. No, and I hope not either. So, but yeah. sometimes that's what it takes for people to wake up. True, they think true. nothing's going to happen. And then all I of think a sudden, loss of money when you're talking about businesses. So, Chris, looking at your book, how can we benefit from buying your book? How can we benefit from utilizing this book as a resource when you talk about how we're uneducated in so many ways regarding cybersecurity? Uh, Neil, I think that the, the, the driving force behind the book, the reason why I wrote the book the way that I written the book is, first of all, to be extremely approachable, very easily understood, and funny. So if, if a business person, be it an executive, a board member, or anyone, take, gets a hold of the book, they can read it cover to cover and really get an understanding of what the field is all about. And I so, can totally attest to that because I've read the vast majority of it. And the way you laid it out is very good. Um, you explain the various components. You put it in terminology that, again, anybody from the most technical person to the person with the least amount of technical knowledge in a company can read it, understand it, and recognize the fact that this is something that really needs to be seriously looked at. And so... I mean, as a cybersecurity expert, you work with private businesses all the time. What would you say a bad cybersecurity system looks like? And then, of course, I'll ask you about a good one. Well, a bad cybersecurity system is a system that, that's in place grudgingly, and it t- typically takes the form of a checklist. It's like, oh, geez, the regulators are making me do a cybersecurity thing, or my vendor or my client is making me do a cybersecurity thing. So I'm going to have 10 checkboxes. I'm going to check them off, and that'll be that. That's not how cybersecurity works. Cybersecurity is a living program. You have to look at your assets. You have to look at the uh, assets. You have to look at the threats. You have to look at the environment and then protect accordingly. And you have to keep evaluating this all the time. It's not a checklist. So those are the worst kind of cybersecurity programs when they are just like some sort of a checklist with people checking it off and not taking it seriously. They are paying lip service to cybersecurity. That's like paying lip service to your health. Right. Or, or having a car and getting inside the car and instead of buckling your safety belt, you sit on it and you just put the clip in so that the thing doesn't go beep, beep, beep the minute <laughs> you start moving the car. It's like, good job there, genius. Yes, yes. That's, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's, very, uh, that's true of how a lot of people were, would approach it. Um, having the, uh, now, having a good cybersecurity system, uh, I would say, you know, the way you lay it out in the book is excellent. People should really go out and get this if they're interested, the cybersecurity program development for business, because you, you talk about the information that a company needs to gather, the documentation, what's important to the company, how to conduct those risk assessments, the threat assessments, and then basically how to map out the processes and the controls to come up with a good incident response plan. And that is a, an excellent way to approach it basically a to z right that's right 
thank you. Uh, that's that, that that was the goal of the book. The, the the goal of the book was to give you all the tools to understand uh, enough for you to have a meaningful conversation with an expert so that you're not lost. Okay. So, so you can complete so the handshake. I'm not an IT guy like Pete. I pretend to be one. Just kidding. I have a lot of experts around <laughs> me. I surround myself with the right people. Pete's one of them. Right. My team in India is another uh, great resource I have. Now tell me specifically enough what I should be doing uh, as a business with like a couple tips I can utilize today regarding cybersecurity in my business? Well, first of all, the, the first thing that you need to do is identify what are the assets that you want to be protecting. What are you protecting? How much is it worth it to you? That is the very first thing that you need to establish. What am I protecting? How much is it worth it to me? You need to get that down on paper no matter what size business you are. And you you work this iteratively. If you're a small business, then you yourself can probably come up with a list. If you are a huge business, then you work business unit by business unit, department by department. The next thing you need to figure out is like, oh, who's out to get me? What are the threats? Pragmatically speaking, what are the threats? What's, you know, who is going to be out to get me? Then you walk down the list. What are the vulnerabilities of the systems that I'm using? And that, those are known. To a very large extent, those are known. Unless you're dealing with zero, they, they are, they're, they're known. And after you have all of these things down, then you say, okay, I am protecting assets worth a million dollars. I am going to deploy controls that are going to cost me X amount of money. That X amount of money can never be over $1 million. Because then you're protecting, you're spending more money protecting the assets than they're worth. So you have to deploy controls in a pragmat, in a business pragmatic way. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to accept some risk. You definitely are going to have to accept some risk. We all do. Every single day that we cross the street, we accept some risk. That's you true. as a business, you as a business owner, you're also going to be accepting some risk. And then you deploy these controls, you've done so in a business pragmatic way, and the next thing you're saying, okay, how do I recover? And you get your team together, and by the way, by team, I don't mean just the IT people or the cybersecurity people. I mean your team, your executive team, your business people, your partners. You sit them all around the table and say, listen, if something happens, what do we do? Rehearse it. Who is going to communicate to our clients? Who is going to communicate to the bank? Who is going to communicate to the employees? What happens if we have no access to data? How long can we afford to not have access to data? How long can we, at what point in time do we need to recover our data? And so on and so forth. You go through that incident response planning exercise, which is tied with your disaster recovery and business continuity plan, and now you can sleep easier. You, you, you have it now. You got it. And I have to point out something, uh, Chris, that you mentioned, and a lot of people may think that this is uh, exaggerating, or they may think that it's accurate. And I can attest to it being accurate. I'm sure you can too. And that is that people are your greatest asset to your business, but they're also your greatest liability. That's absolutely right. I, exactly right. You, 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 the most effective cybersecurity control is people. And so you need to focus on your people. You need to focus on educating your people and providing cybersecurity awareness training. Uh, and and yeah, they are they are your 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 best control. They are more than likely your best assets. And very frequently, they can be your most serious problem. The insider insider breaches are on the increase, and they can be for many reasons. Uh, you know, starting from stupidity all the way down to to, to criminal intent and criminal negligence sometimes. So you need to be very, very, take a very close look to your insider threat um, problems. Yeah, and how to lock down your data. I mean, you know, if somebody gets into some financial problems and a, right, a competitor right, yeah. reaches out to right. them and says, hey, you know, we'll pay you, you know, $50,000 if you download your company's database, you know, and give it exactly. to us. You know, exactly. well, if you don't have that USB port locked down, if you don't have that data secured somehow where you've got various levels of access to that data, so only yep. certain people get certain levels of access, these are all part and parcel of a comprehensive cybersecurity plan. 
That's exactly right. Segregation of duties becomes very, very important. You know, only access what you need to know in order for you to do your job and nothing else. Uh, and pay close attention to employee behavior, very close attention. A person may have uh, very legitimate and desperate reasons for needing the money. They could have uh, people that are sick and they're getting broke by paying their health care. Or they themselves have a gambling problem or a drug problem or a nasty divorce. Or they could be they, they, they could be disgruntled employees. They may feel that uh, you have shorted them for some reason and they need to do exact revenge. So, yeah, so there are many reasons why people go south. So, so basically, a breach can happen anyway. It's not just from a hacker, but somebody who accesses the information. You ought to make sure you have the right IT solutions that only certain people have certain administrative access and other people don't, and they can't break through that administration to get higher access. That's one of them. Neil, I, I think, Neil, I think you are a cybersecurity person. <laughs> He's learning rapidly. <laughs> yes, you are. That, that is exactly right, Neil. That, that, you know, a threat is a threat is a threat. It could be an insider threat. It could be a nation state. It could be a cyber criminal. It could be a hacktivist. It could be God knows what. But a threat is a threat and a threat. And if it's an insider threat, those are the most insidious of them all. You remember the movie, the phone call is coming from inside the house. Yes, it's in, very insidious how these things happen. And, you know, I, a lot of businesses, they think about the external threats more than the internal threats. They think about mm-hmm. the ransomware. They think about the viruses, the malware. They think about somebody going to a website they're not supposed to be they or posting something on social media or whatever it happens to be. They don't think about what about the person who's there. And for all of those reasons that you just gave, and then some, there could be a big big problem that has nothing to do about the apps, you know, the external security from your system from the outside. It could be from sure. the inside. And well, when you, right. you mentioned before about how Russia is going to go through this exercise and unplug from the web. I think that's absolutely brilliant because it's going to expose to them any vulnerabilities or any systems that they need to look at and say, hey, we unplug this. It doesn't work anymore. Now we've right. got it. So they're doing their own kind of cybersecurity exercise. Absolutely, and, they are. And that's absolutely that's they are. And, and that, that's part of the thing. We, we, we as Americans uh, are sometimes encumbered by our own arrogance. And we need to recognize that there is people all over the world that are equally as prideful and equally as skillful as we are. And we need to take uh, a good measure of, what, of who and what the opponent can do and take nothing for granted and practice, practice, practice and prepare accordingly. I, I, I am not a warmonger uh, and, I'm, and if any, anyone that knows me will tell you that I am a doll, I, I, I am uh, pro-peace and anti-war, uh, but I am also pragmatic and factual. Um, we do not have any treaties in place for cyber warfare. We do not have any alliances like the same way we have NATO to deal with cyber warfare. Why? Why not? We should. Because it's the, yes, we should, but we don't because we ourselves want to play in the wild, wild west. We ourselves want to explore the limits of what it is that we can do and what we can get away with. And we're putting everybody in danger by doing that. And the military, the military uses uh, the OODA loop, O-O-D-A. You've probably heard of that, um, which stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And that's how they approach, that's their approach to incident response. Right. right. And so, and so when you're talking about cybersecurity and, and, and breaches and different things like this, you talked about a business. What about the government? What recommendations would you give the government right now so they can become better at this? Uh, my first recommendation to, 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 to any government official is take this seriously and educate yourself on it very quickly. Very quickly. Yesterday is good. So you need, you know, get my book. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Where, like, no, get the book. I, you know, read this thing and start understanding that this is clear and present danger and do not horse around with this. You need to understand that this is something very serious and we are at risk and we have mission critical systems that protect our way of life deployed across our country that we need to protect. And once you understand that, and once you understand what the scope is, surround yourself with the absolute best people, solicit opinions, and start developing a plan. 
a plan to protect all of these systems and to protect our country and our way of life. That is what I would say. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And you know, Chris, where uh, where can people pick up your book, Cybersecurity Program Development for Business? And it is uh, the essential planning guide. And it, it really is. The whole first part of the book is a very high level where it explains everything. And then the second half of the book is all the detail. Where can people get this? They can get it on Amazon. They can get it wherever uh, fine books are sold, as they say, at Barnes & Noble and every other place. It's published by Wiley, which is a, a great publisher. I'm, I'm very, very honored to be published by them. So you can, you can get the book everywhere there is, but certainly on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and any major bookstore will have it. Do you have uh, – that's fantastic, and, and I definitely encourage people to go out because you do not have to be someone with any – and let me stress, any technical knowledge or information about – cybersecurity to benefit and learn from this book. It will give you a great education and understanding of what is out there and what you can do to protect your business. So any small business owner, any big business owner, get it. Because if you feel like your IT department's talking over your head, get this book. And in the next meeting, you're going to blow their mind. <laughs> that's exactly, yeah, that's, that's right. That is exactly right. Do you have any uh, last thoughts, Chris, for our listeners today? Um, I uh, tread carefully would be my 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 thoughts. Uh, it, I am like we we talked about a lot of things that are very scary, from cyber warfare to breaches and everything else. Uh, tread carefully, stay pragmatic, uh, and think about how much is everything worth it to you, and protect accordingly. Very good, very good advice. So, uh, uh, Neil, anything else that you'd like to ask Chris? And if not, we'll we'll wrap it up. I just, I mean, I, I think this is very, very valuable, but I like for myself, now Pete's in the uh, cybersecurity business. I'm sure I'll be helping sell Pete's services, but if I wanted to kind of be more and more of a liaison, if we keep growing and learn more about how all these companies or small businesses or even brands start developing their own membership websites, things like that. We definitely have to look at cybersecurity. So we really have to look at that specific checklist, right? What? It's huge. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, and thank to all, you know, all the listeners who are tuning in today um, to Safety Talk. You can get more information and the latest news about safety at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Uh, there are also links to other websites there. You can get free safety checklists, uh, learn more about me, my services, Neil. And uh, we also feature any products that are discussed on the show on safetytalkproducts.com. So I will be happy to put uh, a link up to Chris's book on that website for him. So uh, until next time, uh, you guys stay safe and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll be have another great show for you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.